Lord, what were you saying? Good morning, everybody. <sighs> Got some friends out there that I haven't seen in a little bit. Good morning to you guys. Um, so Bob has been teaching his heart out, you know, for months now. And as we were coming up into Christmas, uh, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, Christmas is on a Thursday and I'm going to have to teach again on the following Sunday and trying to think of a message. And I was like, you know, I got this one for you, babe, because uh, God has really been working on me over time in this last year. And it's, it's funny because uh, I feel so much of it has to do with hindsight and it's appropriate for this year. So we're going to start with this slide here, hindsight. Understanding of a situation or event only after it has happened or developed. This is how we get the phrase, uh, hindsight is 2020. So my experience, and I, when I talk to people, I, I think that this is not any surprise to anybody, is that God can use hindsight in a very strategic way. He uses it to teach us, to model, to provide individual context, because just because we see somebody else go through something doesn't mean that we really understand it in a personal way. Um, he does it to help us so that we can be continually preparing for a better life with him and for him. And when I say uh, we don't necessarily always take somebody else's situation in that, in our personal way, we don't always learn from that. Let's take the Bible for a second. You know, I'm a pastor, I like to talk about the Bible. The Bible is filled with hindsight for us. I've been uh, in a women's study now for almost two years where we've done a lot of Old Testament study. And as you go through that, you're like, holy cow, this is like just like, you know, this situation that we're going through now or this lines right, right up with that. So God gave us a Bible full of hindsight so that we could possibly learn through some of the hard things that others have endured. Now, to that, to that point, I want to bring up for a second, most of you know, I have type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed in 2014, and in hindsight, you know, I ended up in the ICU, I, but in hindsight, I could see all of the symptoms that happened along the way, but I didn't catch it, and I ended up in the hospital, and that's how I was diagnosed. So once I got out of the hospital, though, the first thing I did was, well, first thing that happened was God brought me uh, a friend who attends here, a person who attends here, who introduced me to somebody who had or has type 1 diabetes. And after meeting her, I found out about a support group and some Facebook groups and found out there are, you know, thousands and thousands of people with diabetes on Facebook. I joined those groups, I met some people locally, and I was able to bypass some hard lessons that I might have learned on my own by having the benefit of somebody else's lessons, somebody else's hindsight, so to speak, of things that they tried, things that they had lived through. It's kind of like when you have kids, if you have kids out there, you know that often we try to protect our kids from learning 
some things the hard way by telling them about the things that happened to us about debt, about friends and boyfriends and saving money and paying attention in school and college is important and don't buy the most expensive house that you can immediately because you need to, you know, be prepared for whatever might happen and insurance is good to have, right? You, you just lay all, you know, they're infants and we're telling them about this, you know, please, please, please remember this. And some things our kids listen to, right? You know, when your kid, you know, does something and makes their first investment or buys their first house or whatever, you're like, yes, but not everything is like that, right? Some things... They just have to learn on their own. And I know for myself, personally, some of the most important things I've ever learned, the most powerful things I've learned, I learned them because first, I messed up in an epic way. One of those things where you're like, okay, note to self, never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> type of thing. But that's, that's how it goes sometimes. So I asked a question on Facebook as I was prepping for this, and they're going to put this up here. In hindsight, what is one thing you would have done to prepare for 2020 had you known what it was going to look like? And if you had something that God did in your life to prepare you and you didn't know it until later, what was that? So I got some good responses. I had uh, one woman who, who talked about a Bible study that she had gotten into with some family uh, very early on, before there were restrictions, and that that Bible study really held her during this past year. It's been a, a point of a touch point with other people. It's been in the word. It's given her encouragement. I said earlier about the Bible study that um, I started almost two years ago. In the beginning, it was me and my friend Anna almost all the time, just the two of us. You know, now between the two studies, we have uh, anywhere between 12 and 16 ladies in a week. But that study, I didn't know. I could have given up when I was like, oh, it's just the two of us, but we loved it. And it, it kind of really just sunk into our hearts. And what I didn't know is God was using that as something for me during this time to not lose touch with him to keep myself focused because there's so much that can make you lose focus when things are going the way they have gone this last year. We had somebody who was kind of uh, kept out of being too focused on the things going on around her because she was selling her house. We had somebody who shared with us that they had an amazing 2019 and that she was glad that God had not told her what was going to happen in 2020 because it might have caused some anxiety, might have caused some different reactions. But that amazing 2019 was what saved her business in 2020. Somebody who lost a job and ended up having to move back home. And that has been a wonderful blessing. He didn't see it as a blessing at first. But now being back at home with his family in another state, he realizes that there's a connection there that he has been missing. But when you look at those things, these things that are hindsight, do we consider that the fact that one of the things we would look at as a benefit of hindsight, seeing where you would jump off had you known what was going to happen, that sometimes that might be an obstacle to hanging in there long enough for the thing that is miraculous, that thing that is amazing. Like 
I'm sure people have been in jobs before. We're like, oh my gosh, I hadn't known I was going to have to work for this jerk for so long. I would have just quit after six months. But then a little bit longer down the line, you know, maybe they meet somebody at their job. Maybe they get married. Had they jumped off earlier? Had they known they were going to work for a jerk but didn't know the marriage part? You know, they would have been like, uh, well, Maybe I would, have, uh, I would have asked so-and-so out earlier. But maybe it wouldn't work that way. You know, you can't always have hindsight to your hindsight. You know, you can't just skip past the parts that are hurt or are difficult. Sometimes it's that shared experience where the miracle happens. Maybe that coworker wouldn't have talked twice to this person if they had not had the shared experience of a boss that was difficult. You don't know. You don't always know how that's going to work. You can't always plan for every contingency. Sometimes God doesn't give us the info because we have a tendency to want to skip past the parts that hurt. Now, in this last year, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's been a lot of suck in 2020. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Uh, many of people have lost businesses. They've lost family members. I'm not sugarcoating it that everything is, is peachy for everybody right now. And I don't know how long it's going to take for things to be redeemed from this year. But I prayed about this and I asked God, we know, Lord, that you are what we need to hold on to. You are our hope, but we're only human. So we need constant encouragement. And this is what he brought me to. This hindsight, this ability to have a perspective beyond what's right in front of us. So I'm going to read a scripture to you guys. It's not going to be um, on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. It's John 16, 1 through 15. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I am going Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said, the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Okay, so this is Jesus speaking. 
and he's speaking to his disciples and he even says, you know, not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Because the disciples had in their mind what the correct ending to the situation was supposed to be. And things weren't playing out, even though Jesus told them. Again, it was right in front of them, but they just didn't have the capability of accepting what the actual end was going to look like. They, they were so focused on that, they couldn't even think about asking him where he was going, which that's what the big news was, right? And the verse I keep coming back to on this is verse 12. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. So first of all, he tells them a lot of really heavy, big stuff in here. You know, he's giving them hindsight in advance so that they will recognize it when it's coming. So even with all that he's told them, there's so much more, but you can't bear it now. Dudes, some things we just have to go through. It's not fair. It's not right. But sometimes we have to go through it to get where God needs us to be for our own good. God taught me a while back through a very difficult experience going through a divorce. Most of you know this is a second marriage for both Bob and I. And something that he, he really showed me was that in my mind, I had considered, you know, what the only acceptable outcome to everything was. So Thanksgiving needs to be on Thanksgiving Day. Christmas is on Christmas Day. And we do this on Christmas Eve. And it has to be this way. Otherwise, it is a failure and a defeat on my part. But when you're divorced and you have to share custody, you have to be flexible. You have to look at things differently. You have to have correct perspective. And he taught me that Thanksgiving, the week before Thanksgiving, is just as delicious. And it's just as fun when I'm sharing it with my kiddos. He taught me that instead of trying to get my list of 30 very laborious items done on Christmas in order to have that Kodak moment, and if you're younger, it's that Instagram moment, that I needed to just let that go. I needed to let it go. Maybe I only did two things. And when I did two things, I was able to take a breath and enjoy those things instead of killing myself, trying to convince myself that I was enjoying those things. That was something that I had to go through so I could learn in hindsight what was truly important to me and what was important to our kids. Our kids wanted us to be happy. We had kids from our first marriages, they, it wasn't fun for them to see us stressed and trying to create something that really didn't even exist in that moment. They wanted to spend time with us and have fun with us. And so we had to go through that so that we could look back in hindsight and then move that way going forward. And I think it helped our kids as well to be able to see that for themselves. Our children are under so much stress and so much performance mindset that everything is a failure if they don't get, 
if this doesn't happen and if they don't uh, somehow accomplish this by the time they're seven. I know you're seven. You know, you're not in a college prep school already. It's all over with. I mean, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And sometimes we do need to share those experiences with our kids, with our friends, to encourage them to, to not lose sight of what God's putting in front of us because we're so focused on what we think we're supposed to be shooting for. So those things I learned in hindsight in my personal life, I've held them close and I've taken them with me as I've gone through my professional career, as we've gone here in ministry. And one of the things you guys know, Bob and I love outreach. Oh, we just love outreach like nobody's business. And think for a second, just consider how much outreach would we have completed in 2020 if we would have waited for that one giant donation? I keep hoping like Peyton Manning or somebody will decide they are going to start coming to this church. Uh, the perfect percentage of volunteer participation amidst COVID because there's a dozen books out there telling us that if we're going to be a good church, we have to have a certain number of people that participate. Otherwise, we're done. Professional marketing materials so that I can give you the best presentation every time I want you guys to come and be part of something. How much would we have gotten done? Big fat zero. And God has been super, super clear with us from the very beginning that we need to work with what he gives us because he does it for a reason. So a year that might have Many might have chosen to just cast aside as useless, and many have in this last year. Let us accomplish a lot of things with people who faithfully gave a modest number of steady volunteers, people who stepped in at the last minute doing any number of crazy things that I asked them to do in, in a free Canva subscription. So in other words, the resources that God did provide me with and this church with. And this is some of the stuff that we were able to accomplish in outreach. And I started running out of space, so there's also missionary support that we've offered and YWAM support that we've offered for some kids that are in YWAM. So some of these things, we're just gonna go over a couple of these things. Trunk or treat, 25 families, the majority of which have no connection to discover at all, drove through our trunk or treat and got to do something fun because some of those families didn't feel comfortable going door to door during COVID. Chaplain boxes, I totally forgot. We had given out chaplain boxes to hospitals amidst COVID. We've got a couple of their thank you cards on our testimony board that we got from some of the hospitals who were the chaplains were surprised to see that they were remembered during that time. Rescue bags, we've given out about 300 rescue bags in the last year. Even with not having full attendance here in the church for people to grab those bags. Operation Christmas Child, 62 boxes that we were able to send out. Denver Street School, we helped them with a total of 1,200 mailers because they are hurting just as much as we are and their regular help is not there just like we are hurting for our regular help. So 1,200 mailers plus uh, money in the spare change jar that we donated towards their Target gift cards. Um, book drive done by the nursery kids. Our wonderful youth has done yard work over at Woolhurst. And they also helped us assemble advent kits and rescue bags as a, as a service project. Um, the kids did a food drive 
back, I think, in February. It's been a little while now. Um, see a bunch of the Drennan Dreams, Run for Hope, Nicholas Reichel Foundation, Run for God. Uh, Bob and I put it out there. Tell us about some of your favorite charities and let us do the running for you. And we'll do those virtual 5Ks and whatever to highlight your charity and support it. Those are all charities that we were able to highlight and build an awareness of during that time, doing something simple like virtual 5Ks. And some of you guys might have run it as well. I don't know. Nobody offered to come run it with me, but <laughs> so, so, but we did, right? And, and you guys were so good about, about sharing those things that are important to you. You know, you just, sometimes you forget about that. You forget that that's out there. And then the food pantry. We, on a regular week, um, support probably about 10 families, not the same 10 families every week. Some of them are repeats, some of them are one times, but every week about 10 families come through our pantry that's just a drive-through, a one-hour drive-through. Sometimes we'll do some private appointments during the week if they can't make it in. During the beginning of COVID, when the restrictions first started happening and the uh, grocery stores had runs, we were probably doing about 40 families at that time because the grocery stores didn't have a lot of things that you need to have. And some of those things we even did as deliveries to people that were not able to get out. Something you might not know about, though as far as the food pantry goes, is we have a woman who is very, very passionate about food pantry. And she has a particular group of people who are not comfortable coming to a building for food pantry, okay? So she, every week, does a pop-up pantry out of the back of her truck, and she probably services close to 100, 150 people a week. And that was something that she had lost years ago, her covering of a church that was trying to help her out with that, and that's how food pantry started for us. We were like, okay, we'll, we'll help you. We thought it was gonna be just a refrigerator, <laughs> you know, and it has turned into much, much more. And, but that's where her heart is at. So she, she does that faithfully out of the back of her truck, feeding those people. And so, whereas even starting this message, sometimes my perspective was, oh, there's so much I wanted us to be able to do, and why couldn't we do? And then I look at that and I'm like, well, Actually, we did quite a bit of stuff. And if you ever gave, if you ever donated time, you were part of that. It wouldn't have happened had you not been obedient to something God put on your, put on your heart. Because I know it's not me and Bob just bugging you guys all the time. Come on, you, want, you know you want to help, right? You've, God's got to put it on your heart to do it for it to be successful. So... I, I want you to be encouraged when you see that, that sometimes our perspective says all is lost, but it's not. And so you think to yourself, okay, that's great. We did those things. But what about people in the church, the people that come here, their families, their friends, the people that we do see each week now, and some of those we don't. Some of those that are watching online, some of those that maybe have kind of fallen away altogether. All right, so I want to show you this next graphic that's coming up. 
this is what we've done in 2020 just for the people that we're trying to keep connected here. We've done services in person and online each and every week. We have never missed a single service. We've had secret church, youth group, youth group meet in the back of the Carson's backyard at their house when they couldn't come into the building. We've done mana meals and Zoom painting, an altered Valentine potluck. Can you guys even remember that? It seems like 10 years ago, but that was just February. Advent trees and devotional, Easter devotional boxes. Remember the Easter devotional boxes? Because we couldn't be in the building and we set up in a tent out front, you know, Uh, studies in person and on Zoom, lunch hour prayer and worship, late night prayer, open mic prayer night, women's movie night, man and meals, a simple parade music night at the coffee shop, youth moose hunt. A couple of things I didn't even put in there. I'm like, okay, we also had an ornament exchange and we had that wonderful Bethlehem star viewing event that just happened, which was amazing. Now, I hope you guys know that Bob and I just aren't like, hey, are you kind of bored? Yeah, I'm bored too. So what do, what do you want to do? That's not how that happens, okay? That's not how that happens. Our hearts are that you guys would get to know each other. That you would get to know each other, that you would love each other, that you would care about each other. We are brokenhearted when somebody feels like they've been forgotten or somehow we've missed connecting with somebody that we should. But God has been clear that that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not up to two people or five people. We reach more people through more people. It's up to us to be able to connect with each other in a way that can help us through times like what we've just gone through. So the most difficult piece of hindsight that we have to deal with right now is that this experience of 2020 has been very different for those in the body who were connected before COVID restrictions started hitting than for those who were not connected. You know, a lot of people don't think that they're a people person. I'm one of them. Believe it or not, pastor, not people person, right? I, it is, it is intentional for me to be that social person to talk to everybody. That's not where my, my brain goes normally. But I, I learned something. I told you about being diagnosed in 2014. Something I learned, I was in the ICU, spent a little time in the hospital, came home. I had maybe two people that visited me. And you wanna know something? That hurt. And you wanna know something else? 100% on me because of that, because I didn't cultivate friendships. I tried to meet people, but I didn't cultivate a relationship with people. And I didn't think it would bother me at all, but it did. So God <laughs> brought a friend to me like immediately after that. And um, I started cultivating that right away. And I have made a much more intentional um, process in my mind of trying to connect with people. Again, you can't connect with everybody. We're not meant to, because there's no depth in that. But it, it mattered to me. So then, fast forward a couple years, my good friend Dottie goes with me to buy these awesome boots. 
and I break my foot that very same night. <laughs> but I had people that sent me cards. It's a couple people that brought meals. And it's not all about what are you going to do for me, but it's how my heart felt knowing that people cared and that they noticed that something had happened, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so that really struck me. And that's why when we do stuff like these things, it's because we are just praying that there is something that grabs your heart that is fun enough for you to come and want to be part of so that you can meet that future best friend. You know, you don't have to be a person that is a sanctuary people person. Like, I need to have 100 best friends. You just need a couple. And that's the kind of thing that can get you through times like we've just gotten through in a miraculous way. And if you saw a bunch of stuff up there that you didn't know anything about, then you guys need to be looking. You need to be intentional. If you are feeling that, that peace, like I miss being around people or I wish I had somebody that I could confide in, you're never gonna meet anybody if you don't get out there, okay? You, it's just not going to happen. And God makes ways. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the joke about the guy who's, you know, he's in a floundering boat and a, and a helicopter comes and a, another boat comes and he keeps telling everybody, I'm waiting for God to save me. You know, God's like, for heaven's sakes, I've sent a helicopter, I've sent a boat, right? God uses us to accomplish his purposes. And then sometimes he throws us some extra, some extra encouragement, like the new cameras, to help us reach farther out for those people that are feeling like they are by themselves. We don't want them to be that by themselves. That's helpful, but they also need people. They need their people. They need a call, a text, an email. So worship team, if you want to start coming back up, you can come on up. So when we're looking back, we know that only God can meet all of our needs. And sometimes he meets it in a, in a spectacular, miraculous stroke of the moment. But most of the time, he meets it through all of the people that we meet in our lives, whether or not it's somebody that comes in for a very short period of time and then they move on to something else or somebody who becomes that lifelong friend. You, you can't anticipate what that is. So sometimes the hindsight part, we have to let it go. Sometimes we just have to go through it. We just have to go through it and we have to trust that God is gonna redeem it in the end. And sometimes it happens right away and sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but be encouraged because he's so good and he loves us. And there is nothing that he does that is void of reason or purpose. So was this a lost year? Nope, not even close. Did God prepare us in ways we didn't understand in advance? Absolutely he did. Is he giving some the benefit of hindsight so that they can move forward in ways that will change their lives forever? 
because of the experience they lived in this particularly messed up year. He is. He has. So just hold on to that. Hold on to that. And the next time, the next time that you're tempted to say that you don't need help and that it doesn't matter to you that you are going through something alone, remember that is a lie. It is a lie. The enemy tries to tell you that somebody, people don't care. They're too busy. That is a lie. And God wants us. He just wants us to just love on each other (laughs) in ways that only we can do. So we're going to take communion. If you grabbed your communion cups, pull those out. If not, go ahead to that back and get that communion cup. And we're just going to peel off the top here. I know that Jesus' body was broken for us, not for us to be hurting alone. Jesus' body was broken for us so that we could be corporately saved, that we could be his hands and feet, that we could see what he has modeled as a way to love each other well. So let's take that. appeal back the second part Jesus' blood spilled for us what he asks us to do is much simpler than what he did for us but again a model of a love so deep there's no reason to say no to that so don't say yes to it so guys just be encouraged. Look back on this year and spend some time looking at what miraculous things have been put out there. What miraculous things might be in the works right now. And instead of looking forward in dread, look forward in anticipation to what the big reveal is going to be. Amen. Rejected and alone, like a rose, 
Like a rose, trample on the ground. 